Hey, this is Nathan Jenkins from Loon Mountain Ministry, and I want to thank you for checking out our podcast today. We welcome you to join us, the trees, the rocks, and all of creation as we worship our great God. Enjoy the message. Okay, uh, today's scripture reading is taken out of Ecclesiastes 10, 8 through 14. Uh, I pre-read it, and uh, it appears to me like this. Somebody's reading my mail. Uh, Please join me. Whoever digs a pit may fall into it. Whoever breaks through a wall may be bitten by a snake. Whoever quarries stones may be injured by them. Whoever splits logs may be endangered by them. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. If a snake bites before its charm, the charmer receives no fee. Words of the mouth of the wise are gracious, but fools are consumed by their own lips. At the beginning, their words are folly. At the end, uh, they are wicked madness. And fools multiply words. No one knows what is coming. Who, Who can tell what someone else will happen after them? Do not revile the king, even in your thoughts, or curse the rich in your bedroom, because a bird in the sky may carry your words. And a bird on the wing may report what you say. Amen. So um, I was reading through the book of Ecclesiastes, and I came to chapter 10, and uh, I was tuning skis, listening to my reggae playlist, and that song came on. And all of a sudden, I was like, wait, wait a minute. Did you guys listen to the words of that song? That song's called Small Axe by Bob Marley, and it is 100% taken from Ecclesiastes chapter 10, what you guys just read, Right? It was crazy. I was listening to it one day and I was like, wait a minute. I've heard these words before. I feel like I'm studying them right now. And, uh, you know, if you are a Dr. Uh, Jordan Peterson fan, uh, he just kind of got a little bit of flack for being on the Joe Rogan show. Um, I know that we're kind of starting to talk about like some uh, touchy subjects there. But one of the things that he talked about in this four hour podcast is that the Bible, no matter if you're an atheist 
or if you are a Buddhist or a Muslim or a Christian that goes to church only twice a year or just an American that doesn't really know what you believe, the Bible, all historians and all people who are wise with literature and stuff, the Bible is the root text for all literature. And the Bible is where stories have come from. And what's interesting is I've noticed really good artists like Bob Marley, really, really good artists really actually know the Bible. It's absolutely incredible. Uh, Ed and I uh, were talking about uh, the Grateful Dead. And if you listen to Grateful Dead and you look at their lyrics, a lot of Grateful Dead lyrics come out of the Bible. What I find super interesting about a lot of these really intellectual, deep-thinking people, a lot of their lyrics actually come out of two places. The Old Testament, Bob Marley, Ecclesiastes, and the Sermon on the Mount. It's really quite fascinating. I don't really hear new uh, music or even old music from the 60s and 70s with Paul's literature <laughs> in it from, you know, from Ephesians or, you know, from the Philippians or, or one of those books, you know, Thessalonians. But I hear a lot of music coming from the Sermon on the Mount and the Old Testament. And the only thing that I can correlate with that, and maybe I'm just thinking too much and I should, you know, no, I did not take any drugs before doing this or have not done any drugs, but what I noticed is that Jesus' entire Sermon on the Mount is the Old Testament spoken in a way that the people listening to him could understand it. Let me say that again about Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. The whole Sermon on the Mount is the Old Testament spoken in a way that the people he was talking to could have it go through their mind and penetrate their heart. That's Jesus' whole point, is that the Old Testament, what they had, stopped here. Or maybe didn't even enter there, but it stopped here or it didn't enter here, and it went to here. And where it stopped was the unprivileged, the people that didn't know how to read, the people that didn't have the ability to go to school and learn the Bible. That stopped outside the mind. Where it stopped inside the mind was the people who were affluent, it was the Americans that went to church. Let me say that one more time. It was the Americans that went to church that Jesus found when he came. It stopped in the mind. And it hadn't moved to the heart. Of which, Americans that go to church, in Paul's language, I could say Marcus Corey, who is chief of Americans that go to church. Meaning, I must look at myself in God's word and say, am I who Jesus was talking to? Am I one of those religious leaders who the word of God is in my mind? And I like coming here on Sunday mornings so you guys can listen to me talk about it. You've heard me say this a couple times. Why do I do what I do? Why am I standing up here? Is it because I like your attention? And I've found a way that I can talk about something that you like and are agreeable with that will keep me in this space? Or am I, by the power of the Holy Spirit, really actually asking the Lord, what is truth, what is your word, and what do we need as a people? And what do I need as an individual, and what do what we need as a people? And that's what led us to the book of Ecclesiastes. I don't know about you, but it's getting kind of old. 
I'd like to just do a couple quick sermons and flip to the next one. But I do feel like it is important for us to slow down. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, open the Word of God and look. So if you would take your Bibles, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 10. We have here verses 8 to 14 and verse 20. But if you remember from our sermon last week, we talked about the end of chapter 9. And the saying at the end of chapter 9 was, there is a lot of weapons of mass destruction, but it only takes the sin of one to destroy a people. And remember we talked about the truth of the gospel is just as sin entered the world by one man's decision, and it passed upon all men, all humanity, for all have sinned, and so we are all spiritually dead, so came the salvation through one man's death and resurrection, Jesus Christ. And remember we talked about how easy it is to mess up your room, but how long it takes to clean it up? I feel like the garage is the same way. I've given up cleaning our garage, and it's much to Heidi's dismay. <laughs> Literally, I've thrown up my hands and said, I'm done. It collects way too much stuff for the thrift shop. It collects way too much stuff for the local ski racing program. It collects way too much stuff from our interns and people living with us. And it collects way too much of my own junk. And I've just given up cleaning. Why? Because I will spend a day cleaning it, and then three days later, and it took a long time. And then three days later, it's back to the just bunch of stuff I don't know what it is. And have you noticed that about? It takes no time. The same is true in a life. We see it. We see it on television. We see it in the news. All it takes is one act or one slip of the tongue, and your career, your life as you know it, can be ruined. One. It could be false, too. That's what's crazy about now, nowadays. It could be false, and you're completely ruined, even when you're proven innocent later on by the courts. The Olympics are on right now. I love the Winter Olympics. Our family loves the Olympics. One of my favorite stories of Jesse, my son, is we're living on Con Drive right across the street from Rick and Ann Kelly, great neighbors. And uh, one day, Jesse, without them knowing, he was, I don't know, maybe three, four years old, let himself into their house. He followed the dog, he claims. And Rick came down to find Jesse on the couch, and the TV was on, and it happened to be going over the Olympics. And Rick didn't know Jesse was in the house. And Jesse says, hey, you guys like the Olympics? We like the Olympics. And was watching the Olympic highlights at the neighbors. I love it. They were gracious. They were awesome. Like, oh, hey, Jesse, do your parents know you're here? Probably we should call them. I'm thankful that they do. We help them find their dogs, which get out sometimes, and they help us find Jesse, who gets out sometimes. It's a great neighborly relationship. But anyway, I was watching a documentary about Peekaboo Street, one of the most famous female downhill skiers of American history. Really cool documentary. I would recommend it. It's called Peekaboo. She came from very blue-collar roots, uh, didn't really have the uh, finances to do what she did, and uh, she just shocked the world in the Olympics, which has made her super, super famous. Well, Peekaboo Street became incredibly uh, famous, 
And then she retired from skiing and she was a, a, an author and a speaker and traveling and still making a living off of her name. She also had a Nike endorsement. She had a shoe after her. Her life was good. And one day she was taking care of her father, who they didn't know it had early onset dementia. And they also didn't know it had diabetes. And he went into a diabetic situation, which made him extremely angry and grumpy. And he was hurting her. And she was afraid for her, and she was afraid for her children. Well, Peekaboo Street is a, an Olympic athlete. I'm sure she can handle herself. And she put her father in the basement for his protection and for hers. And when she got him in the basement and closed the door, she called 911 because he was in an absolute rage, like an absolute rage, and it was going to hurt her and her children. And she called 911, and she said, hello. My father is having a situation. I don't really know what it is. He's making me really nervous. I'm really scared. Can you please come? And she called 911. Well, when the police showed up, they reported that she had beaten him and threw him in the basement and locked him there. And she ended up going to prison. And she lost. Nike dropped her. She lost her book deals and her endorsements to speak. And in one false accusation... Peekaboo Street lost all of her credibility on the news. And that was false. We can all think of ourselves, or we can all think of people in the news, that from one thing, it all goes sour. And that's what Solomon, this is what Solomon's talking about here. Chapter 10, we're getting ready to go to Proverbs. Proverbs is our next wisdom book. And if you're like me, I'm like, oh, thank the Lord. Right? Because Job was a rough one. That was rough. Right? I kind of felt a little beat up after that book. I'm getting a little bored with Ecclesiastes, to be frank. Right? And it's kind of like Debbie Downer. You know, it's kind of like, oh, sorry, Debbie. Um, uh, it's kind of a downer, right? Whoever says that? Nancy, back to my son again. One time we were in the car and I said to the kids, guys, stop being a negative Nancy. And Jesse stuck up for you. And he goes, Nancy's not negative, Dad. I had her in Sunday school. She's not negative. And I was like, why? Why do we say those things? We should not say those things. So now I was like, stop just being negative, okay? No name associated with it. So Jesse was sticking up for you, Nancy. Anyway, um, Ecclesiastes has kind of been a downer, right? We all will die. We all will face death. We all will lose our money and get it back again and probably lose it again, maybe in a lifetime, right? And it's all kind of chance. We have absolutely no idea who's going to die and who's going to lose their money tomorrow. That just is a little bit of a downer. It kind of makes you bummed out. But what we found is we have to change our lens. We have to change our measuring stick because the book of Ecclesiastes is always looking where? Under the sun. And we as Christians have put faith in something above the sun. And I have found for me, when I get down, when I get dismayed, when I am doubting, when I'm frustrated, if I follow the route it back, it always comes because something is letting me down that I have expectations for under the sun. Right? That if I am this, this will happen. If I put in the work for this, that will happen. So Saul, Saul, uh, Solomon here... Is talking, he continues with this idea about it only takes something small. So he talks about and he says, As dead flies give perfume a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. Chapter 10, verse 1. Ever heard of the saying, a fly in the ointment? 
Ever heard of that saying, fly in the ointment? You know what's kind of crazy? That's where this saying comes from. Isn't that crazy? So next time someone says, oh, man, fly in the ointment, be like, oh, did you know where that comes from? It comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 1. And they'll probably be like, okay, you're going to preach at me? It's like, no, I just thought you want to know. Like, the Bible's pretty rad. A lot of cool things come from it. And the saying of fly in the ointment comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 1. Isn't it crazy when you find out where a saying actually originates and comes from? Have anyone ever heard of the, uh, of the saying, oh, that's a cop-out? Everyone ever, ever said, oh, that's a cop-out? No, yes, I see some older people are saying yes. You guys know where that comes from? Right here, right here in the back, the back of the woods over here. At the base of Mount Washington, a gal named Dolly Cop lived at the base. Have you ever been over to Dolly Cop Campground over there in Route 302? Yeah, well, Dolly Cop is over there. No, actually, it might be on 16. It's on 16. Dolly Cop Campground is over there. And Dolly Cop lived on a farm. And she lived with her husband. I forget his name, Mr. Cop. They lived on a farm for 40 years. Raised children, everyone knew them from all around, did all the things that every good local, hardworking family was supposed to do in the 1800s. And one day, Dolly woke up and said, I don't like working this farm. I don't like this man that I was married to for 40 years, and I don't like this life. And she walked away. Literally walked away. And back then in the 1800s, that was such big news that Mr. Cop's wife just left and never came back that they started calling it a cop-out. And it stuck. And to this day, we call it a cop-out. Isn't that crazy? So a fly in the ointment comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 1, and a cop-out comes from Miss Dolly Cop walking off the farm in the 1800s in the shadow of Mount Washington. Crazy, I know. A bunch of useless information you did not need to know. But how we're getting into... Um, how we're getting into the book of Proverbs is Ecclesiastes chapter 10 is a good introductory for the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs are small sayings put together in a poem that are full of wisdom. You could just take one of the sayings out and it's like a fortune cookie in the Bible, right? It's like a fortune cookie and it tells you what to do. And that one that starts out Ecclesiastes chapter 10, a fly in the ointment causes a smell. One fly in, an, in the perfume causes a smell no different than a fool making one decision can take over a lot of wisdom. A lot of wisdom. And so we're going to go to Proverbs after this next chapter because we're getting to the end of Ecclesiastes. And um, we're going to start looking at all these little pieces of wisdom, which is really cool. Now... This, I think, is for you and for me as American Christians. A lot of times, we as American Christians subconsciously judge other people, whether it be on social media, it be on the regular media, it be in person, in the church, or at work, or in your home, and you judge that person and really what you're doing is you're elevating yourself and putting them down so you can feel better about you. And what we do, in this, and Solomon is calling it out, we are making little of our little sin. And so, so many times we think to ourselves, well, I haven't cheated on my spouse. 
or I haven't cheated on my taxes like so-and-so, or I haven't, you know, I haven't done drugs like so-and-so did, or I don't drink like so-and-so, or I don't have a mouth like so-and-so, or you know what, I don't listen, you'll get into someone's car and you'll judge them because it's on the new hip-hop radio station, and you're like, I listen to Christian music, I can't believe that mom <laughs> listens to the new, has she listened to what that country music's talking about? I bet she hasn't. I bet if she listened to that country music, she probably would realize that her children are acting the way they do because she listens to that music. If she just listened to Christian music, probably they wouldn't act like that. Okay, it's funny because it's true. All right? Right? We do. We are judgmental towards others. And really what we're doing is we are se our self-esteem is trying to be puffed up. Our ego, that's exactly what we're doing. I am. It's no different than the playground, guys. It's the playground. You're pushing down one kid. It's the cafeteria in middle school. We're pushing down one kid so we can feel better about ourselves. It's no different than the bus to the soccer game. It's no different than the classroom and picking seats. We still do it. And like I told you, I was reading this book by Timothy Keller called The um, Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. Everyone should buy it. It's a tiny little book. Everyone should buy it. And what Timothy Keller says is this. The ego is actually meant to be full. It's meant to be filled. It's a part of us that's meant to be satisfied and filled. And when it's not, we puff it up. And one of the ways we puff it up is by putting others down. Another way we puff it up is by having false humility. I'm awful. I'm no good. I'm so bad at this. And really what we're doing is we're trying to look for someone else. Hey, will you, will you tell me I'm good if I tell you I'm bad? Because it would really feel good if you tell me I'm good if I tell you I'm bad. I'm such a horrible dad. Oh, no, you're not. Oh, no. Thank you. Wait, a little higher. Yeah. All right. I'm such a horrible preacher, man. That was such a bad sermon. Oh, no, I thought it was great. Oh, yeah, over here a little bit further. Right? And so our egos are empty in and of themselves. And what we do is we, we puff them up. And is something that's puffed up fragile or not? It's fragile. It's like a balloon, right? A balloon is a very fragile thing. The ego was meant to be full of solid so that it's not fragile. And I read that and I looked at what he was talking about in Paul's literature in Corinthians. I'm like, wow. I always just thought, no, you know what? The ego needs to go away. I thought the Christian thing was to like really think low of yourself and let's let the ego go away. And Timothy Keller's like, that's not it at all. The ego is something God created us with. And it's meant to be full. And essentially what Timothy Keller says is this. Jesus' penalty on the cross took the verdict for you and I from the jury and the judge. And we are deemed innocent because of Jesus when we put our faith, hope, and love in him. So what Timothy Keller says that I love, he's like, why then are you Christians still hanging out in the court? Court is adjourned. You are innocent because of Jesus. Why do you keep coming back into the court? And what Timothy Keller says is that a Christian ego is not saying, well, I don't care what you think about me. And that's what a lot of the world is doing right now. You know what? You set your own standards. You don't care what the world says about you. You set your own standards. Have you seen that a lot? Like, I know, you know I'm going to do this for me. 
And I can, I can definitely fall into that trap. Right? When someone like bashes my sermon or someone talks about my parenting or someone talks about something that I hold dear, like my coaching or whatever, I can easily discredit them by saying, what do they know? I'm going to just throw them out. They don't know anything. Right? I'm going to discredit them. Or I'm going to find a fault in their life. I am super guilty of that. If someone is... Is, is, is doing something to me that I'm feeling like judged or whatever, I will quickly identify a flaw in their life and be like, see, pff, I can discredit what they said because look at their life. Anyone else do that? Yep, guilty. Me too. But the Bible is not saying we should just discredit what other people say. The, Paul is essentially saying in the book of Corinthians is that I no longer am worried about what you think of me, but I'm also no longer worried about what I think of me. Let me say that again. I'm also not worried about what I think of me. So even setting my own standard, I am only concerned about what the Lord thinks of me. And that's where knowing scripture is key. That's where knowing scripture is very key. That you realize that you are beautifully and wonderfully made. Marvelous is the works of the Lord. And I know so. That God loves me. And this, this is what I think is cool about what Timothy Keller says. He says, because we're in the Olympics, right? I watched last night the female, the, the women's um, slope style competition. And a girl from Connecticut was in the lead. A young little girl from Connecticut was in the lead until the last girl from New Zealand came down and knocked her off the golden, the top of the podium. She still got silver, this girl from Connecticut. And this girl from Connecticut was not supposed to be on the podium. Like, she wasn't, like, like she was good, but she wasn't supposed to, maybe top ten, but nowhere near the podium. But all the girls that were supposed to occupy the podium fell. And the girl from New Zealand had one more run, and she had fallen on her previous two. And she was the last competitor to come down, and she put her run together and won gold, right? But in the Olympics, what happens? You perform, and then there's the verdict of the judges. Christianity is the only religion where it's the opposite. The verdict's already been made. The judge has already been set. Jesus took sin and death upon himself on the cross and he rose again so that when you and I put our faith, hope, and trust in him, we are deemed innocent. This is the only religion, this is the only belief where it's the flip-flop. The verdict comes before the performance. And we perform because we know that because of Jesus, we have been proven innocent. And so we can come out of that and... We have to remind ourselves daily because we're human and we get sucked right back into thinking, what do I think about myself as a parent or do I think of myself as, a, a, as a, an employee or as a husband? What do others think about me as a parent or other things, others think about me as a grandparent or others think about me as a boss or a leader or a pastor? We go right back there so quick. Facebook doesn't help. Instagram doesn't help. Netflix doesn't help. Peacock doesn't help. Heck, the Olympics don't help. Where all we're doing is judging people. Uh, that's gold. Well, that's last place. You know, like, right? right? We're, we like doing that. I love the Olympics. Football doesn't. I love football, right? We're judging people all the time. 
And so we have to be daily renewing our minds that the verdict's already been cast, that Jesus has already took the penalty of sin and death, and that because of him, I am, I am, I am not guilty. And because of him, I am innocent. And because of him, I am clean. And because of him, I am pure. And because of him, I don't have to hang out in the court anymore. I can go live freely. My identity is in Jesus. I'm not done with Regai, by the way. Did you guys notice what the... Uh, so, so Bob Marley wrote a song called Small Axe, which I just played for you, that is the beginning of chapter... Um, it's the beginning of chapter um, 10. And then... There's this song that's at the end of chapter 10. See if you guys recognize this one. Anyone know this one? I need a DJ up here. Read the end of chapter 10 on your bulletins right there. Talk about little birds outside your doorstep. I love it. Christians are actually moving in church right now. Where's Drew to see this? Alright, here comes verse 1. Read it. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, here he goes. Folks, when you judge others, when you talk badly about others, I'm talking to myself too, when you speak ill of others, you cannot sing that song because you are always worried. When you find the fault in others, when you speak ill in others, you are always worried. Why? Because three little birds outside my doorstep could hear what I say and bring it back around. See what the Bible says in Ecclesiastes? It says, be careful what you say. Because a little bird could be listening and can bring that. Nothing more true than having children, right? <laughs> Nothing more true than having children. Have you ever been embarrassed by one of your kids because they said what you said when you said it in private and they said it in public? I remember one time Abishai was in line at the grocery store and the people were really struggling in front of us. And all of a sudden Abishai, little three-year-old Abishai, who's like, you know, like Isla, always says beautiful things, says, come on people, let's go, what is wrong with you? <laughs> And took the words right out of my head. Not out of my mouth. They weren't going to come out of my mouth. But the words were in my head and Abishai said them. Why did she say them? Because she's heard me say them in the car. When she's in her little car seat. And we're in traffic. And someone is making a really dumb move. Right? And Abishai says something. 
And so I just find it really interesting that from Bob Marley today, from, you know, the small axe song, that he who digs a pit will fall into it, right? In other words, if you're negative, you're probably going to end up in a negative pit, all right? And then he follows it up with, don't worry about a thing, three little birds outside my window, right? Singing me sweet songs, a melody pure and sweet, right? Don't worry. When we speak ill of others... It causes us to worry. Are you full of anxiety? Are you full of worry? Maybe one thing you can control. I know there's the things that are causing you to worry and anxiety that you think are out of your control. But maybe one thing you can control is speaking ill of others. I know I need to hear that. Right? Well, we're going to transition into a time of communion. And here at Loon Mountain Ministry, we celebrate communion at the beginning of every month. And at Loon Mountain Ministry, we, we, we practice an open communion, which means that you don't have to be a part of a specific denomination. You don't have to be a member of our church. No one would take communion if that was the case today, because no one's a member of our church. Um, and uh, But we practice communion, and what we say is that you need to be a part of the family of God. Through faith in Christ, which means you've confessed your sins with your mouth, and you've believed in him in your heart, that, God, that Jesus is the Son of God, and that he raised him from the dead. And that... You're saved. You're part of the family. Also, the Bible is clear that we take some time and examine ourselves, examine our heart. Maybe Saul, Solomon's words today are hitting you like they hit me. That, man, it doesn't take much to spoil good perfume. And I, I admit that I sometimes think little of my sin because I'm focused on someone else's. I watch the news and I'm like, oh, I ain't that bad. I think anyone can watch the news and be like, I ain't that bad. Right? And makes you feel better about yourself watching the news, doesn't it? Right? Or you can scroll through Facebook and be like, well, or usually everyone's Facebook lives are perfect. But anyway. Um, or maybe you are convicted like I am about speaking ill about people. Finding what their faults are and telling others. Examine yourself. Um, our band is coming up, I think, right? Yeah. You guys coming back? Yeah. Oh, there's Trish. Hi, Trish. Are you going to sing a song for us? When Eunice gets here, <laughs> Eunice gets here. Uh, we really appreciate Eunice. She is doing everything this morning. Um, the elements are over here, the cup and the bread. Um, while the group is playing the song, make your way over, grab the cup and the bread, bring it back to wherever you are, and, uh, and then after the song is over, uh, Nathan's going to lead us in the taking uh, of communion. Jesus, we love you. We thank you so much for your word. Thank you that we can even learn from Bob Marley. Um, that, God, your word is true. Your word is pure. And it doesn't matter who's singing it or writing it or talking about it. We can learn something from people uh, who are looking at your word and, and, and reading it. Help us to look at it and read it and apply it to our lives. Uh, we love you. We thank you for the space and time and communion. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. We here at Loon Mountain Ministry are committed to loving God, serving community, and enjoying mountains. We want to thank you for being a part of our collective high five this week as we seek to be a light in the White Mountains and all around the world. Please feel free to reach out to us at info at loonmtnministry.com so we can get more connected. See you guys.